Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. For today's podcast, you're going to be taking a look at UK equities, you're going to be taking a look at the economic picture and how markets are moving out there. And to do that, we're very kindly joined once more by Alan Green. Alan, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Hello, John. Good to be back. How are you? Yes, very well, thank you. Very well. So we, Alan, had the awesome statement yesterday. Mm. Now, this isn't a personal finance podcast, so there wasn't that much in there for investors. There were some slight changes to ISAs, um, and there was the extension of the sunset clause for VCTs and EIS. So we're not going to go too much into the autumn statement because it didn't really move markets. You know, if you compare it to statements that we've had in the past, especially last October, um, huge fallout in, in markets. But the market reaction has been pretty minimal, not a huge amount uh, happening there. So we're not going to touch on that in any great detail, but we're going to look at markets now, Alan, and we're going to be looking at this, the, the setup that we're seeing um, currently in UK stocks, US stocks, where we are uh, at this point in time, heading into Christmas. We're at relatively elevated levels, Alan. So it, it's quite interesting because we bumped into each other at an event in London earlier on this week. And uh, moved on to an establishment afterwards and, and sat down and had a couple of drinks with a, a CEO of a London-listed company. And, and we were discussing uh, what the markets could set up and had a bit of a gentleman's bet on where the S&P 500 would be at the end of the first quarter uh, next year. I think it would probably be lower and and he thought it would be, be higher than, than where it is at the moment. And that's mainly... Um, about the timing of uh, interest rate cuts that we had differing views there. But when we're looking, Alan, at what's happening out there at the FTSE 100, are we starting to see this defensive nature come back into London's leading index now? That may mean that if we do see an expansion next year, if we do see a, a sell-off beforehand, so be it. But if we see a big expansion in global equities next year. How do you feel the FTSE 100 is going to, to set up and, and play out next year? Well, I think the the principal driver of the FTSE 100 is going to be um, a, a, a more risk-off approach from both uh, institutional and some of the bigger retail investors that make uh, things happen at the, at the smaller cap end of the marketplace. Um, but of course, uh, as you rightly said yesterday, we didn't have a great deal of um, of uh, market moving stuff from Jeremy Hunt. Uh, we had, of course, uh, the fall in national insurance, which is uh, always good news. Uh, pensioners were looked after. There was a decent hike in the state pension um, and various other bits and pieces. Certainly on the corporate front, uh, you, you know, whilst interest rates are, of course, higher and a lot of businesses and individuals are struggling with those, um, you can now buy plants um, and claim all of that back against your tax return. So, you know, uh, on the one hand, you're paying out more in interest. On the other hand, you're getting that back against your, your, your tax return. So, so there are some hidden benefits there for uh, corporates going forward. Um, but as regards the, the, the FTSE 100, um, I think we're going to see, uh, I do think we're going to see some positive, 
positivity next year from the index. Of course, we've got the inflation forecast, and that's key to this because, of course, if inflation is seen to uh, be falling, and uh, the, the Bank of England, of course, want two percent, you know, and here we are, we're 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 way ahead of that at the moment, but. Um, they expect um, the UK to grow 0.6% in 2023, 0.7% next year. So, you know, we're narrowly avoiding recession um, and they're aiming to, uh, what the government would like to see our interest rates back down to 2.8% by the end of next year. And if they can do that, um, I think we're going to see the FTSE uh, indices and also of course, if that's reflected in some of the other uh, the, the other markets, the European markets, the US markets, then we're going to see um, we're going to see a more risk off approach from investors uh, that'll drive technology stocks harder. It may see a recovery in the resources sector, which of course is, has been really uh, re- really smashed to pieces over the past uh, couple of years at the small cap end of the market. Um, and I think we're going to see a, a, a healthier picture emerge. But, um, you know, it is very much a, a jam tomorrow story. It is. My, my view, if you look at the different markets in terms of market capitalization in the UK, I think if we look at the FTSE 100, I think it's going to be a marginally higher year next year for, yeah. for the FTSE 100. But I think where we're going to see quite a violent move to the upside is in the mid cap, the FTSE 250 and the small cap markets as well. It's been very much an interest rate story, particularly if you're looking at AIM uh, over the last two years. As interest rates have increased, it's sucked the life out of the, the AIM market and the dynamics behind that can change very quickly. As soon as we start to see hints uh, that there's going to be rate cuts, you know, people are talking into, at the moment about the middle of next year. I think that could change pretty quickly if we start to see economic data slip slightly, which we are, that's really going to push the hand of the Bank of England to start saying, okay, inflation isn't at target, but it is moving back down towards target. And that's going to give us some space to cut rates to support the economy. As soon as that starts to happen, uh, we're going to see some big moves in the the small and mid cap markets. That's my view. And of course, something we'll be discussing on the podcast in the coming months as it starts to play out. But I think we're going to see a very interesting uh, Q1. I think there could be some volatility, but I think that volatility is a buying opportunity, uh, especially in the small and mid-cap markets. So we shall see the timings of those and see how that plays out and sure to be something that we're going to be discussing on the podcast in the coming months. So, Alan, we're going to be discussing two companies today, and they are companies that reside in the small cap area of the market on AIM. It's going to be ECR Minerals and Cadence Minerals. I think we start with Cadence, uh, Alan, because there was some news out yesterday um, from one of their projects, but there's been an awful lot happening since we last discussed them on the podcast. So what's the recent updates from them? Well, of course, Cadence have a portfolio of assets, and and um, those that uh, follow uh, Cadence will, will know what those assets are. So I'm just going to give a very brief overview. Their flagship project is the Mapper Iron Ore project in 
Brazil. Um, that is that is uh, now at um, at DFS stage as definitive feasibility study. Of course, we were discussing uh, studies um, when we met on Tuesday, John, um, and uh, and this is really the phase where um, the the boxes are ticked, the engineering infrastructure is put in place. But of course, with a mapper, it's very much there already. Um, and I think, uh, you know, I'll, I'll repeat this every time, um, every time I talk to people, because there are, we, we look at cadence currently trading at around 6p, which gives it um, a, a minuscule market capitalization. Um, analysts, independent analysts out there have published uh, notes on the project because a mapper is a giant uh, iron ore project. It's it's an iron ore mine uh, with an upgraded mineral resource estimate. There is a railway that uh, takes it uh, well over 100 kilometers all the way to the fully owned port or the wholly owned port in Santana, where there are stockpiles uh, waiting to be shipped to market. And of course, Cadence owns now 32% of that asset. So that's huge. Um, and just where the project is now, uh, going into DFS, the finances are in place to do that. They've they've uh, they've joined forces with uh, with the company to to get that 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 completed. So all of the bills for that, all of the the costs are paid for by the company. Um, and uh, on the back of that, research groups are valuing a mapper alone at twenty three pence per share. Um, now, Cadence has a raft of investment assets. It has a stake in um, Evergreen Lithium. Uh, it's the largest single shareholder that recently floated on the air section Australia. It has um, roughly 4% of uh, European Metals Holdings, and that's the owner-operator of the Sinovec Lithium project in in uh, just over the Czech German border, just over the German border in Czechoslovakia, and that is that's moving towards a phase where a battery uh, plant is being built. The the uh, lithium there is battery grade, it's high quality, so it'll be a supply hub for the European EV industry. It also published um, an update on the Sonora Lithium project recently, where it has two stakes in Mexilit and Megalit, which are concessions. Um, and uh, it has hired uh, lawyer Clifford Chance to sue the Mexican government in because the Mexican government has decided in its wisdom to take these licenses away. And of course, we we have seen this now and then, and we're seeing successful litigation cases where where those those uh, assets are right are returned to the rightful owners of the company. Um, and of course, uh, uh, we had an update yesterday from Cadence on the Yanjibana Rare Earths project, where um, Cadence has a stake in uh, in Hastings Technology Metals, which is uh, uh, an ASX uh, listed company, and Hastings is the owner operator of the uh, of the uh, Yanjibana Rare Earths project. And this is uh, well advanced; it's it's moving forward. Um, Cadence uh, currently has about one and a half percent of haste of the of of the company, and um, yesterday uh, uh, Hastings announced that um, it has secured an at the market equity finance, financing facility for up to fifty million Australian dollars with Alpha Investment Partners to provide working capital funding as project financing advances. So this is getting really close to production now. Why is it important? Because there are so few rare earth hubs or production hubs outside of China. And um, uh, every company uh, in the Western Hemisphere and also Australia, they are moving 
to, uh, to they're seeking independence from China, so they don't have to buy these assets from China. And of course, that provides a, a kind of rebalancing of the, uh, the the world economy. So you take those stakes into account as well. You've probably got um, a best case uh, uh, valuation for the company, and this again independently. Uh, uh, research by the likes of Edison Research, Kemeny Capital, you've got a valuation probably in the region of about 50 pence per share. And that compares at six pence per share. Now, at some point, when the markets turn around, those, that value will out. People will look at companies like this and say it's ridiculously undervalued. And uh, I believe a major revaluation is on the horizon. And if, as we were saying earlier, John, if the, uh, if the, uh, interest rates continue to fall next year, sorry, if inflation continues to fall, uh, we see a consequential reduction in interest rates too. I think there'll be a more risk-off approach and I think you'll see a big revaluation in the likes of Cadence Minerals and other small cap mining and resource companies. Yes, and I think that applies not only to the small cap area of the market and, and the investment companies operating there, but it's something that is prevalent at the moment in investment trusts, especially those that hold private equity assets. There's a huge discount. There was some commentary and research out from the AIC uh, very recently pointing out that the discounts across the board of investment trusts, not investment companies, but investment trusts, slightly different legal structure, is at a record high at the moment. And those companies that are holding private assets within the investment trusts uh, are trading at huge discounts. You know, you're talking 40 50% for investment trusts um, in terms of the discount, but investment trusts that you know, have market caps, 500 uh, million, a billion market cap, holding very high quality assets. So if you then look at the small cap area of the market, those discounts uh, are accentuated somewhat. And there is that feeling that as soon as we start to see interest rates turn around, that those discounts are alleviated. So it's going to be interesting to see, as I said, the timing of this and, and when it actually happens. So we're going to move on now, Alan, and look at the final stock for today, ECR Minerals. Big changes uh, at the top of the organisation very recently. There seems to be a more positive tone coming out of the company. So what's the latest update from them? Very much so. I mean, ECR Minerals, um, again, I mean, we're talking about sort of uh, minuscule uh, valuations. Um, um, ECR currently has a market capitalization of about 3.3 million, so less than cadence, and uh, shares are trading at 0.21p. And the company has a raft of assets uh, in Australia. Um, It also owns a property. which is centrally on the license area of one of its primary projects at a place called Creswick, which is uh, in Victoria and Southern Australia. Just down the road, you have the town of Ballarat. There's a historical narrow vein underground gold mine at Ballarat, which has produced uh, uh, many millions of ounces over the years. You have also in that region, you have the town of Bendigo, where uh, ECR's logistical hub is based. Uh, to the uh, to the east of Bendigo, you have the Fosterville Gold Mine, which is one of the most prolific producing gold mines uh, in the world. Um, and also, uh, then uh, uh, east from there again, you have the um, ECR's Bayliston project, where the company has been drilling at various prospects, the Blue Moon project, um, HR3, and others over the years. Um, there's a, a lot of refocus now 
on Victoria. Um, a company called Falcon Metals has just started uh, its exploration at its own uh, its own project, which is north of Benigo. Then south of Bayliston, Southern Cross Gold um, have their Sunday Creek project, and they have been drilling spectacular grades in the region of 1,400 grams, 1,400 grams per ton um, coming out of the ground. And uh, they, they, they've clearly hit pay dirt there. And obviously, it's had a consequential boost for the share price. So um, uh, back to uh, September, there was a change uh, in the board and the company. Um, uh, Andrew Haythorpe, who'd taken over from Craig Brown, who sadly died, as we know, a couple of years ago. Andrew Haythorpe, uh, steadied ship, brought some of his own uh, ideas into the company uh, in Queensland, where the company also has projects. I'll come to those in a second. Um, and uh, uh, Andrew decided to uh, step down, and in came Nick Tullock, uh, who's, uh, uh, who's who's well known in, in investment banking circles, has worked for many uh, organisations in the past. Is also chief executive of uh, Voyager Life, the 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 CBD company, um, and Nick has come in as MD. Backed, of course, by uh, um, the chief officer that's also come in, uh, Mike Whitlow, better known on Twitter and social media, of course, as Doc Holiday. And uh, Mike's a pretty prolific guy on the uh, as regards uh, re, uh, um, resource exploration. Um, he's his particular expertise uh, is uh, in in uh, in oil um, and engineering. He's um, he's uh, got his own company, Axis Ventures, where he's been where he's successfully uh, been uh, drilling projects uh, um, over the past uh, few years. And uh, Mike has come in to oversee with Nick the, the assets, uh, the assets uh, uh, portfolio that uh, ECR has. So um, going back to Queensland a second, the company uh, has uh, uh, one primary project there, the Lulworth project. Um, and Adam Jones, who's the technical director and head geologist, has been on the ground there with the field team over the year. Um, and they've located a series of creeks within the project, which is located uh, within very much in gold country. You've got the Charters Towers Gold Mine, which was a prolific producing gold mine a few years back. Uh, the Pajingo Project, Mount Lation, and if you walk through the area, which um, which uh, you, you might want to be careful of because it's a fairly inhospitable area up in uh, northern Queensland uh, inland, um, if you walk through the area, you'll see lots of old gold presses, lots of old gold workings. So it really is very much gold territory. Um, so the, the team have, have got some grades out of the ground there. They, they've uh, got a, a model now that's been developed of Lulworth and they'll they'll decide on next steps on that uh, i believe early next year so um nick and mike came in um the company needed to raise further funds they did so they raised just under six hundred thousand. but um unusually they didn't do this via broker they went straight to a group of high net worths raised the money didn't pay any commission in addition to keep costs down the board have agreed a salary sacrifice scheme where they take shares only um, and uh, and basically a, a cash fee for running costs, um, and that's that they've agreed to extend that into the next quarter. So that money that's been raised is all going towards uh, exploration and uh, developing the assets. In addition to uh, to these assets, um, the company also has I, I mentioned that I mentioned the property that's worth about uh, six hundred thousand Australian dollars. 
uh, in Kresik. It has two of its own drilling rigs, the Midas drilling rig, which uh, has been used extensively across uh, Bailiston and Kresik uh, over the previous years. Um, and also a brand new rig, at, which is currently at the Bendigo, um, at the Bendigo uh, um, uh, uh, depot, um, and that will be uh, that will be utilised in some way going forward. Added to that, the company has royalty interests with Fosterville South, um, where they they receive a, a royalty a royalty payment uh, um, and uh, further payments once uh, a certain. Um, once a certain level of uh, discovery has been made, and also a project in Argentina where they also have a royalty agreement there too, and also they own 90% of the Dangley Gold Project, which is in the Philippines. And uh, the company's looking at uh, um, how they're going to best exploit this asset going forward. So the company announced uh, just after uh, Nick and uh, Mike came in that they, they'd undertake an asset evaluation and overview, which they're currently doing. But uh, most recently, they announced that they had decided to return to Victoria to uh, recommence uh, drilling work there. And this is based on the activity in the area. Um, and excitingly, you know, th- th- this isn't um, this isn't uh, something that's uh, uh, a j- uh, jam tomorrow. Um, it's very much um, it's very much uh, a case of they're going back to Victoria, and the drill will be turning there before Christmas. So this is very much near term. In the next couple of weeks, we're, we're going to see uh, we're going to see further activity from there and uh, further reports from the drilling team. Um, the company have identified a raft of prospects. Uh, on the Kresik project, which is where they're going back to, added to which where the property is, um, there is an historical mine works there. Adam Jones has been inside there. And I think we're going to see um, a lot more visually from the team going forward into the new year as the company explores uh, uh, its assets in Kresik. So some really exciting uh, developments coming up. I should also say the company recently uh, secured a new exploration license in the Kresig area. So from where their property is at Springmount all the way down to Ballarat and across into the Eastern Arena Goldfields, um, ECR currently has all that territory uh, to explore. And that's where a geological anomaly known as the Dimex Main Shale runs through, which is uh, which is hopefully where, where they're going to locate some of this alluvial gold. Thank you very much. And certainly looking forward to the evaluation report that's due to come out, I believe, in the coming weeks. So we'll be keeping an eye out for that. So just as a recap of the stocks we discussed today. First up was Cadence Minerals, which has a ticker of KDNC. And just then was ECR Minerals with a ticker of ECR. Alan, thank you much for being on the podcast today. Thank you, John. And thank you very much to everyone for listening. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember all investment involves risk.